Welcome to the Death Kit Show. Let's go. Hey. All right. Welcome to the GK Show. Fun music at the beginning. Yeah. Having a good day. Let's start the pod. Welcome. I am completely sick. I'm gonna plow through this, get something out. I'm back in town. Finally had a day. I uh, don't have to watch my kids, and I'm like, I'm going to get this done, then I'm going to get that done. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do this. Started getting sick last night. My daughter, about 4 a.m., starts just throwing up consistently, uh, like all over herself, all over the bed. My wife and I were up. Then, uh, and a couple nights ago, my son did that. So sleep is a thing that I like to think about you know what i mean in the past sleep is something people are like hey what, what do you masturbate to porn no, i just think back to when i used to get a lot of sleep <laughs> just gets me hard as a rock man you know i was thinking back to that sleep um, all right i got a couple articles want to get to this one caught my eye air canada oh sorry if you haven't yet please rate the podcast five stars totally helps i might throw up during this podcast i don't know what's going on feel not good Oh, so I wonder if that's horrible for you guys to listen to. I wonder if you're listening, like, it's making me nauseous the way he sounds. Like a yawn. You know how someone can yawn through the phone, then you yawn? I wonder if people yawn. Are yawns contagious through podcasts? I don't know. Gotta look it up. All right, so, yeah, please rate the podcast five stars. See a lot of you have been doing it. See a lot of you have not been doing it. It takes a couple seconds. If you want to leave a fun review, that's really nice of you. All right, so Air Canada... We'll use gender-neutral terms instead of saying ladies and gentlemen on flights. Who cares? <laughs> like, this is a big deal. Airlines do a lot of stuff. I would, I, wish to, I would love to be in the boardroom for any airline. Don't care. People just want the flight, like the seats to be nice, have leg room, have some options for stuff to eat or whatever, be on time, and have a decent fare. You know what I mean? Like have a good rate. Who's looking up? I mean, there's a couple real shitty airlines out there where it's like you fly and you're like, all right, I'm never flying Spirit again. But other than that, if you're going on a trip, most people are on a budget, you know? So is anyone not flying Air Canada because the flight attendant got on said, ladies and gentlemen, we're on our way to Calgary today. And then they're like, fuck this, never again. All right, let's get, let's get in this. Passengers on board Air Canada won't hear flight attendants say, ladies and gentlemen, anymore. Soon they will hear, hear gender-neutral terms. During onboard announcements, the term, quote, everybody will replace the terms, ladies and gentlemen, according to CNN news partner CTV. Great, everybody. And then some person who's not able-bodied or has uh, either an amputee will be like, oh, body, huh? Everybody? Oh, I guess I don't count. We, quote, we will be amending our onboard announcements to modernize them and remove specific references to gender. A media spokesperson for the company told CTV, what is the business benefit to this you know what i mean like i'll fly air canada still if it's the best rate where i'm going and 
seems to like be on time. You know what I mean? People are like, oh, it's a good airline. They got comfortable seats and, you know, I like it. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, hey, wait a second. I'm about to purchase this ticket. I notice you're $150 less than the, all the other competitors. Are you going to say, ladies and gentlemen, on this flight? Because <laughs> I can't be flying on an airline that might potentially possibly alienate point. 2% of the population, and then at that point, 2%, I'm sure most of them don't give a fuck either. All right. Uh, see, uh, we work hard to make sure our employees feel like valued members of the Air Canada family while ensuring our customers are comfortable and respected when they choose to travel with us. CNN reached out to the company for a statement, but has yet to hear back. Dude, if they gave me an upgraded seat, they can call me fuckface on the flight. You know what I mean? Well, they just bumped up to first class. They're like, yeah, we're going to call you Jew boy. I'm like, all right, call me Jew boy on the flight. It's kind of weird, but... Whatever. <laughs> At least I'm in first. Bring me another bourbon. Bourbon for the Jew boy. <laughs> the decision comes during a time when many U.S. states and other countries are adding more gender options on identification cards and birth certificates. Earlier this year, Airlines for America, an industry trade group, announced it will expand gender options for U.S. passengers booking flights. The, no the new options will include unspecified and undisclosed. Oh my god. Who fucking cares? Well, you know what they should make you start... Uh, disclosing weight you know what I mean how much do you weigh and then they can try and sit people correctly on the plane you know what I mean like oh you're 400 pounds okay not shitting on you at all maybe that's like a body type thing you got going on maybe you have some health issues but should we put you next to another 400 pound person probably not right weight issues for the aircraft so then you find a little skinny person like oh shit look at that 94 pounds you should sit next to the 400 pound person in their aisle <coughs> why don't we just the one they just start asking for everything what's your religion you know we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to mix it up too much on this flight we want to make sure everyone feels respected um air canada didn't say when the changes will go into effect according to ctv well i hope they fucking never do it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard all right not the dumbest thing i've ever heard but it's pretty dumb it's up there all right, here's a website, or an article I have not read yet, but just the headline has got me super excited. And then I have a bunch of articles about sex we're going to go through, different, different things about sex that are interesting. You know, you, what, uh, we'll, just, we'll see, I was going to say with some more. How long should sex be? How often should you have sex? Is crying, why crying after sex is something. Okay, here's this one. How to explain impeachment to kids. Oh my God. You think the kids haven't noticed all the adults in their lives are preoccupied with impeachment? They do, and you need to clue them in. Here's how to have the talk by Patrick A. Coleman. I don't think you need to have a talk with your kids about the impeachment process, seeing as how most Americans have no fucking clue what an impeachment process really is. Every news outlet in America is currently preoccupied with President Donald Trump's impeachment inquiry. That's as it should be, considering how important the battle over impeachment is for the political health of our nation. But that battle, played out over screens and speakers, is also nasty, emotional, partisan, and genuinely confusing. Think of what it looks like to a young kid. I'm sure that kid is just like, change the fucking channel, let's watch cartoons. In all likelihood, kids will be exposed to impeachment news, and given the complexity and tenure of that news, it's unlikely they will understand it. Yeah, because you don't either, parents. So what's a parent to say when a young kid starts asking questions about whistleblowers and impeachment? Well, I'd say, why are you asking me about this? Go outside and play. The answer is clear. Parents should say very little, very honestly, with the least emotion possible. Yes, thank you. Preschoolers and kindergartners don't have a nuanced view of politics. Oh, really? I don't think most adults have a nuanced view of politics. Have you seen Twitter 
Have you seen social media? Have you seen Facebook? People just post, I'm extreme on this side. I'm extreme on this side. Let's get into the comment section and argue for fucking the rest of this month. After all, popular picture books like Duck for President or Arthur Meets the President find their way into pre-K classrooms, giving kids a rudimentary knowledge of the executive branch. So too do lessons about Independence Day and the Founding Fathers of America. The youngest kids aren't ignorant of civics, and they become more aware with every year in school. So it makes sense for a kid to be curious about impeachment. That curiosity is ramped up further when moms and dads display a particular passion or disgust for the subject. And based on a parent's emotion, a preschooler or kindergartner can get pretty worried about what they're hearing on the news. I think it's going to be hard for people who are super partisan to control their emotions around their kids. I've seen a lot of people both sides, just nutcases, so I don't think they're going to be like locking it down in front of their kids. Three-year-olds are not developmentally ready to assimilate adult issues like politics into their understanding of the world, explains child development consultant and parent educator Anne McKittrick. Three-year-olds are not developmentally ready to assimilate to adult issues like politics? What are you talking about? Can't they just pick their own gender? I mean, they're three. Aren't there a bunch of people that say you can pick your own gender at three? Oh, but you can't talk about politics yet? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know if you're, if you're uh, actually a girl when you're a boy when you're three, or actually a girl when you're... Did I just say the same thing twice? A boy when you're a girl? Whatever. You, you can nail that when you're three, no problem. But, uh, you know, pooping in the toilet every single time could be an issue. Sometimes you might, have, you might pee your pants, and uh, also you shouldn't talk politics. Got it. However, they are very attuned to the emotions of the important adults in their life, and if those people are upset, they may ask what's going on or demonstrate uncertainty by becoming easily frustrated, crying, or, ang or angry. Are they talking about the adults or the kids? McKittrick notes that parents can combat any emotional strain the news might engender, taking the opportunity to convey a simple message. I am here. You are safe. You can play. How dumb are people that need to read this article? Honestly, offering solace and love should be enough, but parents should not skimp on honesty when direct questions about the proceedings are asked, explains McKittrick. So they can't understand the nuance of politics, but if they ask you super targeted questions about the House inquiry into it, and is it an official impeachment? Has the House voted yet? What's the actual breakdown of the seats in the House, you know, Republican, Democrat? Hey, so the, does it go to a Senate trial, or is this just an inquiry? What's the difference between an inquiry and an official impeachment? Like, so if they ask targeted questions, then you need to give them some real answers. Quote, when my daughter was six years old, the Clinton-Lewinsky story was at its height. She asked me, Mom, what did President Clinton do wrong? My reply was, he kissed a woman who was not his wife and lied about it. That simple explanation was sufficient. She understood it was wrong to lie. She didn't know all the details of the story. Weren't, the, weren't Bill Clinton originally impeached over the Whitewater deal? And then they found out during the investigation about the Monica Lewinsky thing? I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Was he impeached for the Lewinsky lie? I thought he was impeached. Yeah, well, he did lie in her Maybe that's why he got impeached. But they were doing an, they're already doing an impeachment to the Whitewater thing. I don't know. It could be a little off on my timeline. That simplicity is key when it comes to honest answers, according to Dr. Carol Lieberman, author of Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh, my. How to protect your child in a time of terror. Well, wow, that's the longest title ever. She notes there is no need to complicate matters. You can reassure them by saying that nobody's going to physically hurt the president. In fact... He may still be the president when this is all over, Lieberman says. It's just about people who belong to one group called Democrats, not even with other group called Republicans, about how this country should be run. Really, it's about a bunch of these people just being friends behind closed doors and fighting for power. Lieberman also notes if parents want, they can speak to how the process shows that people can talk about disagreements without getting too angry or physical. And while there's no need to make the discussion partisan, she acknowledges parents might not be able to keep their views on impeachment in check. For these parents, she offers a version of political tribalism. How long is this article? Let's get to these sex articles. 
Quote, depending on which side you're on, you might want to say it's important not to be a sore loser and try to ruin it for the person who Lieberman suggests. Alternately, you might want to say it's important to do a good job and recognize that if you don't do a good job, there may be people who want to fire you. Whatever a parent says, it's important that they will say it with emotions in check. And it's also important to remain truthful and age-appropriate while offering reassurance that they are safe. Kids thrive on stability, even when in the case of impeachment, the news makes it sound like the government is falling down. I think the government's falling down before the news of impeachment. All right, so there you go, guys. In case anybody's wondering how to talk to their non-binary one-and-a-half-year-old about uh, the impeachment process, you know, they can't handle politics yet, so you really should shy away from that kind of stuff. Um, Okay, here's the first sex article. Headline. Where's the headline? Uh, Where am I? I'm in the middle of the article. Men and women agree on biggest bedroom turnoff as they share what not to do. All right, here we go. Single people, or I guess not single people, biggest bedroom turnoff. Your bedroom can have a big impact on your chance of getting lucky, so make sure you get it right. They have these pictures of these good-looking people in uh, doing sexual stuff. Like this lady has like a lot of her boob exposed, and the guy's kissing her shoulder from behind. She's wearing panties. Jeez, this is like J.O. material. You know what I mean? If I'm in seventh grade, boing, this is doing it for me. Now I just think about that sleep. All right. A new study asked 2,000 people for their biggest bedroom turnoffs. Taking a partner back to your bedroom for the first time can be a daunting experience for you both. As your key goes into the lock of your front door, your head swirls with all the possible embarrassing things you may have left on show. A new survey asked 2,000 single Brits which items or decorations would be the biggest turnoff when entering someone else's room for the first time. And surprisingly, the biggest no-no is the same for men and women. Ooh, I wonder what that is. A dead body. A dead body in the middle of the room. Ah, fuck. (laughs) Well, this is going to be hard to stay focused. (laughs) Both agreed that being faced with nude posters or pornography would be unacceptable, although women were more adverse, with almost half putting it top compared to 22% of men. In the research by Perfect Home, the top three turnoffs for women is completed by dirty rooms and clothes or mess on the floor. That's true. I feel like women hate that, you know? For men, it was teddy bears and posters that would seem... See that would see them most likely to head for the door. Teddy bears and posters. What if their poster is, you know, top ten ways to give a blowjob poster? <laughs> Here's my blowjob teddy bear. Percent of people surveyed said the style of room would have a significant effect on whether the date would end with anything other than a friendly handshake at the end of the night. Anyone hoping to score should avoid. Oh, I love this. Should avoid inspirational quotes such as "live, love, laugh" on the walls, which were specifically singled out as being tacky. Oh, boom! Everybody that has that, fucking take that. Nobody likes those. One man said, "I don't like textured wallpaper or signs telling me what to do in each room. E.g., relax, bathe, sleep." Oh, this guy doesn't like to be told what to do. Sounds like he has bigger issues at hand. A small portion of women said toys relating to fantasy or science fiction such as Star Wars or Harry Potter would be a turnoff along with football memorabilia. When heading into someone else's room, men said they didn't want to see condoms, dildos, or sex toys lying around, and a pink decor was also on their list of things to avoid. I like how they're just conflating a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I don't want to see a bunch of condoms, dildos, sex toys. Also, if the room's painted pink, I mean, come on. You know what I mean? I could do with a couple dildos and sex toys, maybe a few used condoms slapped against the wall. But I don't like the room to be pink. Is that the end of that article? Oh, perfect. Okay. Let's see this, the comments. <laughs> I bet most would still do the deed, but they just wouldn't call the next day. Cool. Skitters in the toilet. Ugh, oh, that's a good one. Uh, biggest turnoff. Weak old chewing gum stuck on her arse. 
cheeks. What? That's fucking ridiculous. Um, let's see. All right, next article. These are kind of fun. Uh, once, oh, why, why is it not loud? Okay, why crying after sex is nothing to be ashamed of and may in fact be a compliment. I got, what is this? Having a partner cry after sex may not be the reaction you were after, but relax, there's a good reason behind it. Okay. Even if you pride yourself on your stiff upper lip above all else, there's probably a situation or stimulus which will elicit a little cry. Is this for men and women or one or the other? What's going on here? There's no shame in it. Plus, crying can be, an amazingly, cathar- can be amazingly cathartic. Psychic tears triggered by an emotional response do in fact contain a painkiller. And we just... And we can just about cry in response to anything. Film, songs, stories, puppies, even sex. Yeah, those other ones I got. I cried at movies, stories, puppies, sex, though. What? Yes. Someone having a post-coital soft fest in your arms may seem like an ego bruiser, but it's not necessarily because it was a subpar experience. Well, it would make me feel fucking weird. Crying after sex is perfectly natural. But this... But is this natural sauce because of emotions or feeling, or is it hormonally driven? Who's crying? I still don't get who's crying. Speaking to the tab, psychosexual therapist Denise Knowles explained why you might sometimes have to pass your bedfellow the tissues. For many, they cry when they have orgasm because when the sex comes to an end, that sense of closeness, happiness, and contentment is over. Oh my god. I've never had anyone cry during sex. My email's in the show notes. You can always email me. Let me know. Have you, have you ever cried after sex or cried during or had anyone cry during sex? However, emotional attachments aside, there's a scientific reason, hormones. Denise, who has 25 years of experience in the field of psychosexual therapy, explained how the happy, feel-good hormones such as oxytocin, oxytocin and dopamine are released. Oh, there's a big picture of Kleenex. Once sex is over, there is a drop in the level of these hormones, leaving you open and vulnerable to feeling sad. I don't know if I've ever felt sad during sex or after sex, unless it was like I, I felt regret maybe a lot. These post-sex tears fall into a rather bittersweet category, which is neither really happy nor sad. Yeah, it's awkward. Denise continues, It's not so much about it being sad here, it's just about feeling like we've been really close and I'm sad that it's over. The concern is, when am I ever going to be that close to my partner again? So don't get freaked out if it happens to you. It's ultimately a compliment. I didn't get anything from that article where it's ultimately a compliment. So they're they're saying women? Did I read that right? So they're saying women might cry after sex and it just means that they're sad that it's over wow never had that can you imagine that why is that never in any rom-coms then you know what i mean kate hudson has sex with her male co-star and then just starts crying <laughs> julia roberts <laughs> i orgasmed him and it felt good i just feel so close to you what a that's like psycho alert <laughs> someone's crazy 21 reasons why you should have sex and the advantages to our health. Okay. Forget anti-wrinkle creams. Research claims sex can make you look seven years younger, and that's not the only benefit. Here's our roundup for National Sex Day. When was National Sex Day? You probably don't need much convincing, but there's quite a few health benefits to a healthy sex life, so it might be time to share this with your loved one for National Sex Day, Saturday, January 9th. Damn it, missed it. According to the latest studies, regular sex, that's one to two lovemaking sessions per week, can provide some incredible boost to your health and well-being. There are quite a few benefits to having sex, from boosting fertility to looking young. Yes, that's a thing. You even get healthier, sort of. Here's a breakdown of the best reasons to get your loved one to, to... Here's a breakdown of the best reasons to get your loved one between the sheets. One, you look younger. Dr. David Weeks, clinical neuropsychologist at the Royal Edinburgh... 
hospital revealed to a psychology conference that his extensive research had found older men and women with an active love life looked five to seven years younger than their actual age. But we don't have to be added every night to enjoy youth-enhancing effects. In fact, during his 10-year study, Weeks found quality was as important as quantity with the anti-aging benefits stronger if the sex was classed as loving. Ooh, I should look like an infant then because I am so in love with my wife. I should just look like a little baby shitting my pants in a diaper. And people are like, man, that guy must have a lot of sex. <laughs> look at him. He just peed all over himself. He's pointing at stuff and grunting when he wants you to hand it to him. That guy must be banging all the time. Boost your fertility. This will sound like music to most men's ears. Studies have found that the more often you make love, the better quality your sperm will be. Semen health was found to be best when sex had at last occurred less than two days before the sperm was tested and was greatly decreased after 10 days of abstinence. If you're trying for a baby, keep sperm fresh and in tip-top shape by having sex at least twice a week and not only around the time of the woman's ovulation. Frequent sex has also been found to help balance a woman's hormones and regulate her periods, which can further boost chances of conceiving. Well, that, all of that, that whole paragraph made my vasectomy hurt. My balls are still damaged. I think I went to a bad guy for my vast urologist piece of shit. I hate that guy. Fight colds and flu. Wow, sex. Great, I'm sick and I'm talking about this. I think I have the flu too. Maybe it's because the wife and I haven't had sex. Having sex once or twice a week has been found to raise your body's level of antibody called immunoglobulin. Immunoglobulin. There we go. Immunoglobulin. Immunoglobulin A or IgA. Oh, geez. Why can't we just start with IgA so I didn't have to fuck that up for everybody? Which can protect you from colds and flu. One study found people who have sex more than once a week have 30% higher levels of IgA than those who abstain. Four, disease-proof your body. Having high levels of the natural steroid DHEA, known as the anti-aging hormone, is believed to be key to keeping your body fitter for longer. During sex, DHEA is secreted through the body, and after an orgasm, the level in the bloodstream soars to five times its normal amount. Man, I didn't know that. I knew DHEA. I used to take that supplement. I'm about to order some more off Amazon. Lengthen your life. Number five, a study carried out in Australia found people who climax at least three times a week had a 50% lower chance of dying for any medical reason than those who only climaxed once a month. Once a month, jeez. Gotta climax a couple more times than that. Shift your middle age spread and keep fit. 30 minutes of vigorous sex burns up to 100 calories, which is the same as a small glass of wine. And if you have moderately active sex twice a week, you'll burn an extra 5,000 calories a year. Varying your positions is also great. Fun way to, to tone different muscle groups and keep limbs lean and flexible. All right, okay, come on. I'm a parent, okay? I don't have time to do all these different positions and tone my muscle groups. Ease those nasty period cramps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time a woman's having period cramps, she's totally down for sex. Many women say period pain diminishes if they do the deed during a cramp attack. Oh, I can't wait to try that. One theory why is that the muscle contracts that occur when you reach peak levels of excitement relieve tension in the muscles of your uterus, the ones that cause menstrual cramps, therefore easing the pain. Number eight, helps lower your risk of incontinence. Good sex is a great workout for a woman's pelvic floor muscles. The muscles that control orgasm also stem the flow of urine, reducing leakage and incontinence. Pregnancy and the menopause can weaken the menopause. That's weird can weaken these muscles significantly, but the stronger they are, the lower your risk of developing stress, incontinence, and prolapse later. And let's face it, sex is far more enjoyable than the chore of doing pelvic floor exercises on your own. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Prevent a heart attack. I don't know, I'm very attracted to my wife. I feel like sometimes I might have a heart attack. 
Lots of studies have found that regular sex can ward off heart attacks, not bring them on as it was once feared. One study at Queen's University Belfast found that having sex three times a week could have, 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 geez, I can't, I'm losing it, your risk of having a heart attack or stroke. Another study in Israel found that women who had two orgasms a week were up to 30% less likely to have heart disease than those who did not enjoy sex or didn't have an orgasm. My grandma lived to be very old, almost 100. I, miss, I wonder if she was having a lot of sex. Increase your attractiveness to others. Oh, great. Well, that's it. My wife and I are not doing it anymore. High sexual activity makes the body release more pheromones, chemicals that enhance your appeal to the opposite sex. This is why the more sex you have with your partner, the stronger your desire will be to have sex with them again. Okay. Smooth out your wrinkles. How many more are these? Let me see. 11, 12, 14, 15. This is going on forever. 16. Oh, my God. Oh, 21? What is happening here? All right. I'm just going to read these. Because we've got these other articles to get to. 21, feel better all day. 20, cut your risk of prostate cancer. 19, strengthen your bones. Yeah. I know one bone. <laughs> My boner. Kick your insomnia into touch. Okay, so you sleep better. You don't get any uh, physical health issues slash stress. All right, of course. Well, it's obviously a stress release. Cure that headache. Yes, really. Oh my God. What are they talking about? So next time my wife has a headache and menstrual cramps, I got to be like, let's just bang. Let's bang out those cramps. Let's bang out that headache. I can't wait to report back to you guys and tell you how that works out. Banish depression. Yeah, I think that having sex would make me feel better. Lower your blood pressure. Okay. Improve your self-esteem. Some of these are kind of, you know, like, right? It's pretty obvious. Give yourself an, an all-over healthy glow. Okay, so there we go. I think, yeah, smooth out your wrinkles. There we go. I can't get through this. It's going to take forever to get through all 21. That could have been its own podcast. But I'm feeling like shit, so i got to get through these. Let's see. What do we have next? Uh, how often should a couple have sex to stay happy? We have the answers. I think from that last article, two, night, two times a week, right? This picture is of these models. It's like a guy laying on top of a woman. They both appear to be naked. And I guess they're supposed to be having sex. Who are these people? How much do they get paid for that? Um, let's see. It's common to think that you need to swing from the chandeliers most nights of the week to feel fulfilled in your relationship. But according to a recent survey, couples who have sex once a week are actually the most content. So how often is often enough for these husbands and wives? Here they reveal all to Allison Palmer. Every day. Amanda and Darren Ghent live in Stockport, Manchester. Amanda, 42, is a personal trainer, and Darren, 32, works in airport cargo. Whoa, younger man. Amanda has two children from a previous relationship, Harvey, 19, and Soren, 9. Whoa, this lady's all over the place. Uh, do you have sex tips, stories to share in relation to the story? Uh, oh, that's just for the reader. Amanda says, Darren and I just can't get enough of one another, and it's not because we're both hugely sexual people. For us, making love is just that. It's showing our love, a deep physical need to express ourselves. Oh, that's you guys. Okay. We met in April 2014, and although we fell hook, line, and sinker, straight away we waited several weeks to sleep together. At 10 years of my junior, I wanted to be sure Darren wasn't in it for the Mrs. Robinson experience. Oh, he is. When we, finally when, we, when we did finally do it, it was the icing on the cake. Oh, I get it, icing, on, and you're the cake. I get ya. It was the final connection. It took our love to another level. We moved in together within eight weeks and married last August. Neither of us has ever had sex daily with other partners. In fact, in past relationships, 
I could have left the sex bit out completely. Ugh. But with Darren, but with Darren, there's such chemistry. It's civil to explain, but we're so in love. It's the only way we can truly give that love. We need to be together physically at once, at least once a day, or we'd boil over. That is a lot. Once a day? She has two kids. One might be out of the house, 19. That last picture was of them, and it wasn't like, I wasn't too impressed. And now the next picture is these models again. And it's just, man, models are just way more photogenic than regular people. Darren works shifts, so we have to be a little creative. Darren works shifts? Okay. But our bed is our everything. In it, we talk, hold one another, kiss, and then one thing leads to another. I'm sure this 9-year-old and 19-year-old are just throwing up reading this article about their mom having sex with their new dad. We read each other so well that we know when the moment is and isn't right. Neither of us has ever turned the other down. We met in the gym and spent a lot of time in there together. I think being physical out of the bedroom leads to being more physical in it. And it isn't just the love thing. There's undoubtedly lust too. I love putting on pretty laundry and a beautiful dress. This is like just one couple. I don't want to read this. Whatever. Once a week. Um, Sarah and Darren Hutchins. What is this? Your, your name has to be Darren to be part of this article? Okay. Oh, jeez. This is like, I don't want to picture these people having sex at all. Oh, my God. Okay, whatever. They have sex once a week. Once a year. Babs Daniel, a mature student, and husband Graham living in Harlow, Essex. Graham is currently not working. The couple have four children. Deal. Once a year? Oh, these pictures of these people, you wouldn't, you know, like, this is grossing me out. I'm already nauseous because I'm sick. It's, they keep going picture of the couple and then picture to models. This is not good. Uh, Graham. I admit sometimes I'd like to, have, to make love to Babs more frequently. Yeah, once a year, dude. That's not a lot. Uh, whatever. This article I thought was going to be more about what the experts said, not about these random couples who I would never want to picture having sex. Uh, all right. I will get to the other two articles later. I feel like absolute crap. My wife is calling. The kids are sick. She's sick. I'm sick. Got to figure this out. Oh, man. So please rate, you know, five stars if you have a chance. Really appreciate it. That last gig I did, I performed for a lot of old people. And uh, it was just like they had a good time, but I don't think they're going to be new podcast listeners. But I have seen the numbers growing, and I see the ratings and everything. I really, really appreciate it. It does help. That's why I know it's annoying. I say, like, oh, please rate it five stars. It really does help. So I appreciate you guys. Sorry I was kind of at 25% today. Uh, I'm in town for a while, so I'll try and knock out and try some different things, some new podcasts, some different things, and uh, let me know what you like. The email's always in the show notes. All right. Hope you're having a great day, great night, whenever you listen to this, and I'll be back later. Thank you for listening to my daddy.